Sermon 5 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. You also do trust in Christ upon the hearing of the word of truth, that is to say, of the glad tidings of your salvation, by believing whereof you also are sealed with the Holy Spirit of the promise, which is the earnest penny of our inheritance, unto the redeeming of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. We have seen heretofore how St. Paul hath declared that there is none other ground of our salvation than God's free goodness, and that we must not seek anywhere else for the cause why he chooseth the one and forsaketh the other. For it becometh us to hold ourselves contented with his only will, purpose, and unchangeable determination, and whosoever goeth any further must needs stumble into such a dimension through his own rashness, as he shall feel that such as cannot honour God's majesty and everlasting ordinance with all lowliness and reverence, must every one of them, I say, come to shame. Therefore, whensoever we come to the searching of the cause of our salvation, let us learn to father it altogether upon God. It is true that to be God's children and heirs, it behoveth us to be the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which thing is done by faith. But yet can we not believe the gospel except God draw us thereto by his Holy Spirit. Now we see that he dealeth not alike with all men. For he could very well enlighten all the world, and bring to pass that there should be no unbelievers at all. But we see the contrary. Therefore let us assure ourselves that he chooseth whom he listeth. For if a man should ask the reason why he doth it, it were too lofty a presumptuousness, and that is the very cause that maketh so many overweening folk to break their own necks, for that they cannot find in their hearts to grant that God governeth men according to his own will, as of good right he may full well. Furthermore, also, St. Paul hath heretofore set the Jews and Gentiles both on one even ground, and that is a thing that requireth yet longer discourse. For seeing that God had chosen Abraham's offspring, it might have been thought that there had been some worthiness in them. Surely, if we have an eye to the special favour that God showed to the Jews, they be well worthy to be preferred before all the rest of the world." But if a man take them as they be of themselves, he shall find them void of all righteousness. For we must always come back to this point, that God is not bound nor beholden to any man at all, and his receiving of the Jews by free adoption is not for that they were better worth than other men, or for that they might make any manner of vaunt at all of themselves. Therefore ye see why St. Paul saith expressly, that they which believed in Jesus Christ in times past are comprehended under God's election as well as the others, and that the others cannot boast themselves to be more worthy or to have deserved more than they, but that all must come to this point, that as well of the Jews as of the Gentiles God chose whom he liked and listed, to the end that nothing should be considered in that behalf but his only mercy, and that all mouths might be stopped and no man be able to allege that he brought anything of his own. Howbeit, when St. Paul entereth into this comparison between the Jews and the Gentiles, he saith that if a man have an eye to God's accepting of the Jews for his own peculiar heritage, 
they were a holy lineage, and he had given them his law and promises, by means whereof they were in more excellent and high degree than all the residue whom he had forsaken and shaken off. But if we have an eye unto God, all man's glory must needs be laid a water. But St. Paul, in that place, speaketh alonely of the forgiving of our sins, and of our embracing of God's grace by faith, which things he showeth cannot be fathered upon any other cause than only God's pitying of us. Also, we have seen heretofore in the epistle to the Galatians, how St. Paul said unto Peter, We be Jews by nature, for inasmuch as it was a common opinion that the Jews were a holy lineage, because they were descended of Abraham's race, very well, saith he, howsoever the case stand, we have none other refuge nor assurance of salvation but to believe in Jesus Christ. For he wist well that men are utterly fordone and lost in themselves, because they bring nothing with them but God's wrath and curse. Therefore, like as in those texts, St. Paul hath showed that men beguile themselves if they imagine that they have any desert or worthiness in them. So now, for the better confirmation of the same doctrine, and to take away all disputing, and to beat back all replyings, he bringeth us to this wellspring, namely that God not only giveth faith to whom he listeth, but also hath elected and chosen us before the making of the world. Ye see then that the thing which we have to mark in effect is that all men from the most to the least are endangered unto God, and there is none so holy or excellent that can exempt himself from that general state of men. Now hereupon St. Paul magnifieth God's goodness, in that the Ephesians were gathered together and made all one with those that were held and accounted afore for God's people, and for the household folk of his church. Before the Ephesians believed the gospel, there was great diversity between them, as shall be declared yet more at large in the second chapter. But notwithstanding that the believing Jews, which had already been converted to our Lord Jesus Christ, were as brethren to the angels of heaven, for so much as they were members of the head, that was common to them both. Whereas, in the meanwhile, the Ephesians were poor wretches, shut out from all hope of salvation, enemies of God, and plunged in all cursedness. Behold, God took away that diversity, and ravaged them both in one array. God's goodness, therefore, was so much the more manifest, in that he did so pull them back, which were drowned in the bottom of hell, to match them with his own children, and to make them fellows and heirs of his heavenly kingdom. That, therefore, is the cause why St. Paul, having spoken of such as had believed in Jesus Christ afore, telleth us expressly that God hath gathered and established his church in such wise, as it well appeareth that the greatest depend wholly upon him, and have not any other thing to rest upon than his only mercy, and that those which were after a sort cast away, yea, and abhorred, have cause to glorify him, seeing he hath delivered them from the confusion wherein they were. And herewithal St. Paul showeth that the thing which he had said afore is verified unto us by the effects of God's grace. For, as I have said afore, our election is a secret thing, yea, and incomprehensible. When men have inquired of it as much as is possible, surely they must needs quail in their own imaginations, if they mind to enter into the said everlasting ordinance of God. And therefore it is not lawful for us to seek any further than the scripture guideth us, and showeth us the way. Ye see then that God's choosing of us is hidden in himself, 
but yet he yieldeth us records of it by the gifts of grace which he bestoweth upon us, as by faith which is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mark that for one point. Now, were it but such a gift, as when he maketh his sun to shine both upon good and bad, or as when he causeth the earth to bring forth fruit indifferently for all men, the same ought also to be reckoned among the gifts and benefits of God. But faith is a singular gift, which is not bestowed commonly upon all men, but is reserved of God as a jewel for those whom he liketh well of. And what is the cause of it? We are all of us the children of Adam, and we are all of one mould. Why then enlighteneth he the one sort, and letteth the other alone in their blindness? There is none other cause but his own choice. So then, although we cannot conceive neither by wit nor by reason how God hath chosen us before the making of the world, yet we know it by his showing of it unto us, and experience itself avoucheth it sufficiently, inasmuch as we be enlightened by faith. What is the cause that I receive the gospel and stick to it, and in the meanwhile others abide still in their beastly blockishness, or rather bear a spiteful rancour against the doctrine of salvation? If I imagine that it cometh of mine own towardness, I am a traitor to God. For we must always come back to that which we have seen already, and say, Who is he that hath made thee to excel others? St. Paul then doth in that saying pull down all loftiness of man, to the end that no man should advance himself, nor allege that he hath aught of his own. We must not think, saith he, that we have any worthiness of ourselves, but that every whit of it cometh of God. Therefore in this text St. Paul showeth by experience how the Ephesians had been chosen of God, and that it behoved them to have their sole faith grounded thereupon, that is to wit, upon God's free goodness. And for proof thereof, saith he, ye have heard the doctrine of the gospel and believed it. But how comes that to pass? He showeth that it must needs be that they were confirmed by the Holy Ghost. Now if they were confirmed, it was of necessity that the Holy Ghost must needs have wrought beforehand. And so it is to no purpose to enter into so deep a maze as God's everlasting ordinance. For he showeth us, as it were with his finger, how he hath chosen us, at leastwise, if we play not the churls with him, but acknowledge the good that he hath done us, and be fully persuaded and resolved in ourselves, that there is none other cause of it than for that he had given us his mark from before all everlastingness, that is to say, for that he had reserved us to himself as his own children." Now then, we see St. Paul's meaning, and therefore let us learn to leave making of long ranges, when the case concerneth our imputing of all things to God's only mere mercy. For the faith that we have doth show it well enough, because that, as I have said afore, the same cometh not from our own mother wit, but as a gift that cometh from above, and such a one as God communicateth not to all men without exception, but only so such as he listeth. Furthermore, here are many words well worth the weighing. For on the one side, St. Paul intendeth to magnify the grace of the Holy Ghost by showing that we can have no part nor portion in our Lord Jesus Christ, nor in any of all the benefits that he hath purchased for us, except God put us in possession of our salvation by his Holy Spirit. That, therefore, is one point. And yet, notwithstanding, St. Paul faileth not to show therewithal 
the inestimable benefit that we have by the gospel, in that he termeth it the word of truth and the glad tidings of salvation. For first of all, he meant to assure us, to the intent we might have an infallible warrant to call upon God without doubting or grudge of conscience. For so long as we be in doubt whether God love us or hate us, it is impossible for us to pray truly unto him. And so by that means ye see how our salvation is utterly defeated, according to that which is said by the prophet Joel. And it is a common doctrine in the Holy Scripture that we cannot obtain salvation but by fleeing unto God with prayer and supplication. But we should be shut out from that if we had not the said warrant, as we shall see more fully in the third chapter. Therefore it stands on to be thoroughly assured that God is our Father and that he accepteth us for his children. And how shall we be warranted that unless the doctrine of the gospel be so certain in all points, as it be not lawful for us to bring it in question. That, therefore, is the cause why St. Paul saith that it is the word of truth. No doubt, but there are other truths also, for even when God threateneth us, he doth it not in jest, nor yet in vain, for as well his threatenings as his promises have their execution sure and certain. Howbeit, forasmuch as the present case concerned the correcting of all distrust in us, as whereunto we be too much inclined, St. Paul hath termed the gospel the doctrine of truth, as if he should say, My friends, God is a faithful witness unto you of his own will. For the gospel is as much as if he laid forth his heart unto you, and therefore settle yourselves upon it. Moreover, also he saith that our salvation lieth enclosed in the gospel, and that it is to make us to love it and esteem it. For should we be so wireless or rather stark mad as to hold scorn of our own welfare? But yet notwithstanding, he saith, that all this cometh of God's mere mercy and of his everlasting election, which, as in respect of ourselves, is far off and unknown to us, but we have knowledge of it by the gospel, which is the means and instrument thereof. For to what purpose were it that our Lord Jesus Christ hath offered himself in sacrifice to reconcile the world to God his Father, unless we were made partakers of it by faith? Now faith is not an opinion of man's conceiving in his own brain, but a settled belief that God cannot lie nor deceive us, and that it is not to be feared that our hope shall not come to good end if we wait upon him. So then, to be short, St. Paul's intent was to show that if we have the skill to make our profit of the doctrine of the gospel, we shall no longer stand in memory and perplexity, but shall be able to call upon God with open mouth, acknowledging ourselves so bound and wholly indebted unto him in all things, as we fear not but that he avoweth us for his children, and are accepted at his hand, and that he heareth us in all the prayers that we make unto him. Thus much concerning the first point. Therefore, according to St. Paul's exhortation, let us learn to rest in such wise upon the doctrine of the gospel, that it may be as much to us as if God showed himself visibly unto us, and that the heavens were opened unto us. Let us always bear in mind how it is announced by the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, that whensoever sinners are forgiven men by the preaching of the gospel, the same is out of hand ratified in heaven. Thus ye see what certainty we ought to have, that we be no more doubtful whether God will hear us or no. But like as the gospel teacheth us to believe, 
so also St. Paul showeth us that we ought to esteem it as an incomparable treasure, for so much as it is the power of God, tending to the salvation of all that believe, as he speaketh of in the first chapter to the Romans. Seeing then that we be forlorn and undone of ourselves, and there is none other means to call us back again to God but by the gospel, let us set store by that treasure, and be well adduced to make our profit of it. And in so doing, let us hardly despise both the devil himself and all his temptations, which he practiseth against us, seeing that God calleth us, and hath given us a sufficient record of his fatherly love and good will towards us. But let us come to the second part which I glanced at. For St. Paul showeth that besides God's vouchsafing to have the gospel preached unto us, it behoveth him also to work by his Holy Spirit and by a special grace. And, in very deed, we shall find that many will well enough grant that God was not moved to send us his gospel upon any other cause than by his own mere free goodness. But therewithal they surmise that the cause why some receive it and some receive it not is for that their own free wills do rule the roost, and by that means God's grace is diminished. For God offereth us not his grace as a man should offer an apple to little children, so as he that could run best should come and have it. If God should cast it out so, it is certain that the greatest part of our salvation should proceed of our own power and policy, and the commendation thereof should redound to ourselves. Now then, after St. Paul hath showed that God hath called, and daily doth call us to the inheritance of his heavenly kingdom, and that his so doing proceedeth of his own mere free goodness, he addeth further that it behoveth us of necessity to be touched with his Holy Spirit. Indeed, he setteth down but the one part of the grace of the Holy Ghost, and that is because he has set down the other part before, for he hath not in this discourse forgotten aught that belonged to this matter, but he began with God's free goodness wherewith we be all filled, and showed that faith springeth out of the said fountain of free election. And now for the second part he addeth that God's enlightening of us by his Holy Spirit, so that whereas we were blind, he hath printed his grace in our hearts, and bowed and bent them to the obeying of him, is not enough for us but that, moreover, he must be fain to confirm us and strengthen our faith by giving us an invincible constancy to hold out to the end. Ye see, then, that the thing whereto St. Paul bringeth us is that besides our receiving of faith at the hand of the Holy Ghost, and besides his enlightening of us by his grace, whereof I have spoken already, he doth also stay us in such wise as we fall not away." For the better understanding hereof, we must first call to mind the thing that hath been treated more at length already, that is to wit, that so long as God letteth us alone in our own state and plight, we be blind wretches wandering in darkness, and whatsoever is preached or spoken unto us, we abide still as blocks in our brutishness. For the sensual man shall never understand anything that belongs to God, or to his own salvation." Ye see, then, how we be utterly barred and excluded from the heavenly light, till God pity us and give us the spirit of light and insight. Mark that for the first point. Howbeit, for as much as that point hath been discussed heretofore, it sufficeth to do no more but to put you in mind of it. Now, there is yet another point, which is that when we have once embraced God's grace by faith, 
So as we know that our Lord Jesus Christ is he in whom we find all that is requisite to make us perfectly happy, it standeth us on hand to be established in the same. For why? Let us mark how wavering men are. He that is best disposed to follow God shall by and by fall, because we be so frail that the devil will overthrow us every minute of an hour, if God held us not up by strong hand. And for that cause is it said that God uttereth his power in maintaining us, when he hath chosen us and given us to our Lord Jesus Christ. For if he fought not for us, alas, what would become of us? We should be confounded out of hand, and we should not take one or two falls, but infinite falls, as I said afore. As soon then as we were in the way of salvation, by and by, should we surely be turned out of it by our own frailty, lightness and unconstancy, unless we were held back, and that God wrought so in us, as we might by his Holy Spirit overcome all the assaults of the devil and the world. This doth God's Spirit work double in us, as in respect of faith, for he enlightened us to make us understand the things that else should be hidden from us, and to receive God's promises with all obedience. That is the first working. The second is that the same Spirit is fain to continue in us, and to give us perseverance, that we quail not in the midst of our way. That, then, is the thing that St. Paul treateth of as now. As if he should say, My friends, ye have known God's grace, and ye have had experience of it, and that he hath drawn you to the obeying of his gospel. For you had never come unto it, if he had not showed himself pitiful towards you. But yet assure yourselves that he doubleth his grace, in that he giveth you power to hold out in the same. For had ye continued but two or three days, or two or three years, yea, or more, Needs must it be that God had helped you therein, for else ye should always have been in a mammering, yea, and as poor wretches at your wit's end, without any certainty at all, but that God hath promised to have a care of you, and to guide you continually, till you be come to your way's end, and have accomplished your course. That, therefore, is the cause why he saith here, that they were sealed or signed by the Holy Spirit. Now it behoveth us to mark well the similitude that St. Paul useth, for we know that evidences are made authentic by seals, and that hath been in all times. True it is that men did not set them to in such manner as they do nowadays, but yet notwithstanding, instead of signing them with their own hands, they delivered their seal or a ring, and that was the manner of the publication of testaments, and of other evidence, and of all bargains and covenants. In this respect, St. Paul saith that we must be sealed in our hearts. True it is that, to speak properly, he should have said that the gospel was sealed. Howbeit, to the end, to do us to understand that the fault cometh and springeth from ourselves, and that the gospel is a doctrine of sufficient authority of itself, he minded to show us that God's sealing of his truth is in respect of our hard-heartedness and unconstancy, for that we be shaken with every wind like wavering reeds until such time as he have strengthened us. But howsoever the case stand, let us mark that the Holy Ghost is, as it were, the scale wherewith he ratifieth and warranteth his truth unto us. Now I have told you already how greatly we stand in need thereof, for although we grant that God's word deserveth to be admitted without gainsaying or reply, yet cease we not to doubt of it, 
and that do we find well enough by experience. For whensoever any trouble or vexation cometh, we be as folk dismayed, whereas if we were thoroughly persuaded of God's goodness in such wise as he assureth us of it, it is certain that we should not be in any such fear. All the temptations then which shake us do show well enough that we profit not as we ought to do in the gospel, and therefore God is fain to warrant it on his behalf by his Holy Spirit, and to print it so surely in our hearts as we may be steadfast and as the same steadfastness may not be beaten down by all that ever the devil can work or devise to overthrow our faith. But we shall understand this thing yet better by making continually such examination of our own weakness, as I have spoken of afore. For take we all the reasons of the world, and yet shall we never be certified so fully and perfectly as is requisite, that God will be merciful to us and defend us in the midst of all the perils of this world. For we be here, as it were, in a sea, the winds and storms assail us every minute, and we be still in danger of swallowing up. How then may we despise Satan, being as wretched sheep, unprovided both of armour, weapon, and all other means of help. How can we be merry, both in life and death, knowing that Satan might do any things against us, if we were not well sealed and after an authentical manner? So then, besides that in this text we be warned to rid ourselves of all presumption and overweening, that only God may be praised and magnified, we may also gather therewith upon St. Paul's words that we have armour and weapon wherewith to encounter and fight well and that although our enemy be mighty and sturdy, yet he shall never overcome us, so we take the advantage of that which is said here, namely, that God's Spirit sealeth the truth and the certainty of the promises of the gospel in us. And St. Paul addeth yet one similitude more, saying that God's Spirit is as an earnest penny. And let us not think it strange that St. Paul hath so mightily confirmed this doctrine, forasmuch as the devil hath never ceased from the beginning of the world to puff up men continually with some fond opinion of their own wisdom and virtue. The cause of Adam's fall was that he would needs advance himself higher than was lawful for him, and be wiser than God, which thing God gave him not leave to do. Even so standeth the case with us, and the devil pursueth his challenge still. For behold, he overthrew mankind by that slight, and all his endeavour yet still is to make us believe that we be able to do this and that. Therefore it stood St. Paul on hand to rid men of that false and cursed opinion of their own free will and self-virtue, and to show them that they are beholden to the Holy Ghost for all. Mark that for one point. Secondly, we be so gross and earthly that we have need to have the doctrine chawed unto us, and we cannot conceive any more of God's gracious gifts which are invisible than we see with our eyes and touch with our hands. Therefore it was requisite that St. Paul should by similitudes declare how it is God's Holy Spirit that putteth us in possession of the gospel, and of all the benefits contained therein, and which holdeth us in them unto the end. Now we know that bargains are confirmed by giving of an earnest penny, which men do commonly call a God's penny, Forasmuch then as in buying either lands, houses, inheritances, or wares, although a man's bare word ought to suffice, yet notwithstanding, men are so ill-disposed that if they perceive any disadvantage to themselves in the matter, they will not be ashamed to eat their word. Therefore was this ceremony of giving an earnest penny added, and it is all one as if the payment were fully performed, 
so as the bargain were utterly past calling back again. St. Paul then meaneth here that God's Spirit serveth to warrant our salvation to the full. And to what end? For your inheritance, saith he, to the day of your redemption. It is true that we be God's heirs, even in that we be his children. But we must note how it is said in the 8th to the Romans, that our salvation is shut up under hope. So then we cannot see it, nor enjoy it as now, according to the third of the Colossians, where it is said that we be like dead men that are departed out of the world, and that our life is hidden with God in Christ. Therefore, although we be God's children, yet have we not the full enjoyment of it as yet. And it is all one with that which St. John saith in his canonical epistle. We know, saith he, whereby he showeth that our faith is not doubtful, but yet he addeth that it is not yet seen, or it doth not yet appear, but we must wait for the day wherein we shall be like unto God, and then we shall have light to see the thing perfectly, which we do but believe as now. Again, we have seen how St. Paul said in the second to the Corinthians, that as we be in this earthly pilgrimage, we be after a sort absent from God. For why? We walk saith he, but in hope, and we see not the thing as if it were present, but we see it by faith. To be short, although we be passed from death to life, as is said in the fifth of John, yet do we fight against an infinite number of deaths, because we be besieged by them. And St. Paul doth well match both together in this text. For on the one side he saith, We be not yet come to our redemption and heritage, and yet therewithal he showeth, that we be nevertheless sure of it for all that, and that nothing but our own unthankfulness letteth us to glory fully in God, and to say with full mouth that we doubt not of our coming to the heavenly life, forasmuch as we have an earnest penny thereof by the Holy Ghost, and are so knit to our Lord Jesus Christ that all the goods which he hath do belong to us, and are made common to us by faith. Therefore let us mark well what is contained in these words of St. Paul. He saith that the Holy Ghost is our earnest penny. Seeing it is so, we must needs be sure of our redemption, whereof we shall have the possession at the last day, yea, even to the full, and that doth the thing of itself show sufficiently. For we be but silly worms of the earth, we be compassed about with rottenness and corruption, we be beset with so many miseries, as is pity to see, the world raileth upon us, and mocketh us and our simplicity. We be fain to endure hunger and thirst. It seemeth oftentimes that God hath forsaken us, and after a sort cut us off. Yea, and that he vouchsafeth not to pity us, as the most despised creatures of the world. Lo, at what point we be to outward appearance. And therefore it standeth us on hand to have a remedy, to warrant ourselves withal in the midst of so many perplexities and heart-griefs. That is the cause why St. Paul saith purposely that the Holy Ghost is our earnest penny. Although then that the world have the bridle loose to trample us under his feet, as they say, although our Lord keep us occupied with many temptations, although he humble us in such wise as it may seem that we be as sheep appointed to the slaughter, so as death be continually between our teeth. Yet are we not unpervade of good remedy. For why? Seeing that the Holy Ghost reigneth in our hearts, we have whereof to boast even in the midst of our temptations, according as it is said in the eighth to the Romans, that being once assured that God taketh us for his children, we may not only call upon him, but also we be afflicted and tormented, 
yet we cease not to be always fully and infallibly resolved that he is our Father, to lead us to the glory of heaven. For even that also is a means whereby our hope is tried. Furthermore, we be warned also to walk in patience, and that seeing God hath given us his Holy Spirit for an earnest penny, we must not be so hasty and impatient as we have been wont to be. For if God handle us roughly, by and by we fall to grudging, and are very loath to suffer anything. For we see how tender and nice we be of nature, but we must endure patiently, because God will not have us to come to his kingdom at one leap, as they say, but will have us to pass by this world through the midst of thorns and briars, so as we shall have much to do to get through, and we shall be in great distress." seeing that he will have us led such a way, and yet notwithstanding giveth us so good a remedy as ought to suffice us, which is that he strengtheneth us in invincible constancy by his Holy Spirit. Let us stand in a readiness to fight till the time of victory be fully come. It is true that our faith doth even now already get the upper hand, but we receive not yet the fruits of it, neither do we fully enjoy it. Therefore we must determine with ourselves to sigh and groan continually, and yet therewithal to rejoice also. For, why, to rejoice in our hearts, and also to cry with St. Paul, Alas, wretched wight that I am, who shall deliver me from this prison of my body, are things that may match very well together. Therefore let every of us mourn, yea, and be grieved at the heart, for that we be still so much given to our wicked lusts, and to the number of vices that are in us. And yet, notwithstanding, let us cease also to say that we thank God, and to be contented with his giving of such portion unto us as ought to suffice us, and to tarry his leisure till he accomplish and perform the thing that he hath begun, seeing we have his Holy Spirit so dwelling in us, with a promise that we shall never be destitute of him unto the end. Thus ye see how we be here encouraged to take heart of grace, and to walk in such constancy as all the miseries of the world may not stop us of our course, till we be come to our race's end. And that is the cause why St. Paul speaketh purposely of redemption. It is true that we be redeemed of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he has given us for our redemption or ransom, as is said in another text. Yet notwithstanding we have not the effect and full fruition of it as yet. Then is there a double redemption, one which was accomplished in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, and another which we wait for, and which shall be showed upon us at his coming again. According whereunto St. Paul saith in the eighth to the Romans, that although we groan and be held down in anguish, yet we must not be dismayed at it, nor think it strange, because all creatures, saith he, do bear us company, yea, and be as a woman that travaileth of child, for we see that all the world is subject to corruption through the sin of Adam. Seeing then it is so, let us not quail in our groanings, but let us so measure our affections as to hold us contented in that we have our redemption purchased in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, and thereupon trust that he will accomplish the same thing in us and in our persons, which he hath brought us in his own. The thing, therefore, that St. Paul meant to say is that God's Spirit is our earnest penny, during the time that we wait to be taken out of this transitory life, and to be set free from all miseries, especially from the bondage of sin, which is the heaviest burden that can be. 
Until such time, then, as we be delivered from all those things, we must rest upon this, that God's Spirit dwelleth in us. And as touching the redemption of purchase, it may well be taken for purchased redemption, for it is a very rife manner of speech, like as when it is said, the Spirit of promise, it is meant the Spirit that assureth or warranteth all the promises, the Spirit of the fear of God, because it is He that maketh us obedient to His righteousness. So likewise, when he speaketh of the redemption of purchase, it may well be said that it is the redemption which was purchased for us, to show that if we feel the effect of it in ourselves, so as we be out of all doubt of the things that Jesus Christ hath done for us, we must not mistrust that he hath suffered in vain. For surely his suffering were to no purpose at all towards us, unless it came unto us, so as it might redound to our profit, and we enjoy it. That, therefore, is the thing that is purchased in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, in the mean season, as in respect of ourselves, he reigneth us short. To the end, we should not, through our own unthankfulness, refuse the benefit that God offereth us, that is, to wit, our rejoicing in our afflictions, because we know that our salvation is sure, nor repine against God and blaspheme him, but walk on quietly, till we be delivered from this prison wherein we be, and till we be fully set free by being gathered together in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgement of our faults, praying him to make us feel them more and more, yea, even so far as to bring us to utter misliking of the wretchedness that is in ourselves, so as we, finding that there is nothing in us but a dungeon of all naughtiness, may learn to resort to his righteousness, and to seek it at the wellhead, and to acknowledge that he hath showed himself a merciful father towards us, not doubting, but that thereby he meant to assure us also that he had adopted us before the beginning of the world, to the intent we should continue in calling upon him with true steadfastness, and never give over. And so let us all say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 5